1: Hello. What's
2: up? Hi.
1: <laughs> I wasn't nervous until that intro came on, and then that made me nervous. This <laughs> bomb.
3: Bomb.com. Back from his Facebook exile from Brett Morris, J.R. Weaver. In the house. Shit. He's not allowed False. on his own show. <laughs> False
2: kind of well it's not really <laughs> your show but it's kind of you started it
4: hey oh, there she is ashley hello welcome ashley.
0: ag time yeah
4: <laughs> well, it's, it's
1: quiet
3: nice to have
4: more estrogen in the room yeah. yeah i need someone on team girl with me
2: everybody <laughs> welcome bridge sky hey bridge Woo thanks for being here
1: hello thank you for having me
3: Hmm. always a pleasure somebody from northern california yeah she's uh are we doing like official intros of everybody what's that what bridge
1: oh are we doing like official introductions of everybody i have a few people i know that have never seen the show watching
0: Oh, hello, hello. <laughs>
1: Go ahead, call them out. Introduce them.
0: Yeah, Who, who's introducing him?
1: Well, they want introductions from you guys.
0: Oh, for real? That's a lot oh. of people. Well, I'm
2: yeah. Jason. Hello. Jason Rudine from Minnesota, just like Bridge. I'm a co-host Woo-hoo. of the Way Up podcast. Also co-host of Recovery Revolution Live. And I love recovery and spreading that message of hope. Hi, all, everybody that doesn't know me.
0: <laughs> hi jason hey yeah, jason. Hi, jason
1: who are you
3: i am jr weaver i'm the uh i'm the quiet one out of the group i'm the author of the addiction manifesto uh veterans counselor here in san jose costa rica
1: Very
3: cool. yes oh me hi oh. I'm Brett. I
0: host Recovery Survey and I also co host Recovery Revolution Live. And I am in right outside of Dallas, Texas. Hello, Brett. Hi.
2: Who are you?
4: Some days I don't know, but today I'm actually. <laughs> um, and I guess I'm a co host on the show sometimes, right? Um, oh, a yeah. person in long term recovery. I'm a certified peer, adult, and family, um, but I don't work in the field. I do advocate a lot. Um, I've, I'm have i on a couple nonprofit boards. Um, yeah.
2: And you're the Presidente.
4: Hi, Ashley. El Presidente. Yeah.
2: Go ahead say it. President right. of Tommy, Florida, right? That's right. what she's not saying, you guys. She's being modest. She's humble. She's humble.
4: Yeah, we're the state affiliate for um, NAMI. Um, So we have 24 affiliates throughout the state.
3: And she's the boss of them all.
4: (laughs) Um, No, the The people are the boss. Yes. It's a grassroots organization. It's, It's all about different communities and what they need. So each of our affiliates have their own board and stuff like that. But yeah, I'm the president of the state board.
2: So that's us.
1: Your turn. Should I introduce myself? Yeah. And I'm Bridge Sky, host of Kiss Recovery 101. It's a podcast. It's uh it has uh it's it's definitely getting started. I didn't realize it's been going for a year until I got a notification saying it was disconnected because I hadn't paid for my new annual subscription. That was a great way to find out, Oh my gosh, I've been doing this a year. Uh, So I paid that and I was able to continue. So my shows are Sundays, uh, 8pm live on YouTube uh, and Facebook as well. I've branched out now and I'm doing uh, Spotify and uh, some other platforms. But yeah, with the year under my belt now, I'm trying to step up my game. And I'm so excited. I have new things coming. But KISS is a fun acronym, which is keep it simple, stupid, which Mm -hmm. I loved because I was making everything so complicated that I didn't understand keep it simple really means keep it simple until someone said the other S, which is stupid. It it really allowed me to (laughs) step back and and humble myself and stop overcomplicating everything. So yeah, and Recovery 101 is... Um, any topic we talk about, we really try to break it down to the basics, because I know for myself, a person in long-term recovery, it took me seventeen years to really find my way. And uh, it it took many paths. So thankfully, um from what I had to learn through seventeen years, uh, I share on the podcast. I like to talk about all the different pathways and break it down to simple, simple concepts so especially when you're new or even trying to give this recovery thing a chance um, it's relatable it's understandable it's way easier to connect with um, when nothing makes sense if that makes sense
3: and so you guys just won an award too didn't you
1: i wish <laughs> not that i'm not that i'm aware of oh but okay. if you want to nominate no i'm just kidding um i also do uh the rise up hour it's a radio show wfnu 94.1 with mahana he's actually the host and uh that is sundays 1 p.m it's on the radio but you can live stream it from anywhere that's 1 p.m central time and again same concept he actually gets really great guests that come on um, within the community outside of the community but all recovery based so that full hour and we get to play music which is actually really wonderful because each guest, a lot like uh, Jason's The Way Out podcast, they pick a song, they get to pick four songs for whatever reasons. Uh, but it it definitely is a great way to connect um, and learn about our our previous just guest we had last episode was Thrive. And Thrive is such a wonderful resource people don't know about in Minnesota, where it's that support for our family and friends that are trying to support us um i'm what's called as a dual member so i'm a person that's in long-term recovery and i also have family or friends that i'm very close to that aren't and i'm trying to support them but because i have such a strong long-rooted connection with them sometimes it's really hard for me to keep that relationship healthy so thrive does the support meetings and they really do constructive Meetings and workshops. They did a workshop just recently, I attended for weeks, and it was on healthy boundaries. So, but yeah, I what I love about uh, doing this podcast is I get to meet all walks of life and talk about all different paths of recovery because I'm a person that what not just one path of recovery worked for me, I still to this day need multiple. <laughs> um, and I just love having the open platform uh, to be loud and proud of my recovery and not hide or feel ashamed anymore. And that took a really long time for me to do that. So, yeah. So I did send you guys a little list of things we could talk about.
3: Muhana won an award. I know I've seen a video.
1: Yes. I took the video. He did. Okay. Um, Okay. Okay. That's what I saw. Overdose trainers yes so he steve remler hope network he was awarded awesome Um, so yeah he's so like i think i do a lot in the recovery community not next to mahana like he's 10 times so he's such a great motivation for me and inspiration for me because even if i feel like i'm doing a lot i just need to look oh what are you doing today oh okay you're doing three things okay i could step up my game this week
3: that's what uh all these guys tell me they say i bring them down
4: oh, they you do. what is up with you lately in these like he's been
3: lying a lot lately
4: right like
3: yeah I, I, I try to keep I, it interesting
4: <laughs> brett lets me on the show and like where do you come up with these things you're you the founder you're
1: always, i haven't
3: been on the show in like three weeks
2: you're on a, that?
4: Well, I, don't know. I
2: think he's just being being sarcastic, you know? He's got a sarcastic sense of humor. <laughs>
4: Maybe he needs validation, and he needs to realize that we miss him when he's not here and that we think he's doing a good job. Is that what you need? Mm,
3: okay. You need
4: that. Just ask us, and we'll give it to you
1: anytime.
3: Okay. Oh, yeah. Oh,
4: yeah. I need validation sometimes, I was so too, excited
1: when you said you were coming on, because, yeah, you haven't been on, so I'm like, yay!
3: Right. I know I'm I'm still trying to adjust to uh, my schedule down here. I mean, it's it's been like 6 weeks, 7 weeks since I moved down here and it's been amazing, but it's it's so exhausting. What time is it there? It is 7:19. We are oh. I think central standard time.
1: Oh. Okay. And I Thank and you. I was getting
3: Getting oh, confused with the uh, time zones.
4: <laughs> really? Jason or Brett, did either of you guys get jealous when you saw a picture on his Facebook where he's put his new family, like, and then he yeah. then there was like a memory of like his family at the, you know his his old job, and I'm like, what are we? We're chopped liver? Chopped
2: liver. That's what. Mm-hmm. You
3: guys are my family. You guys are my extended family.
0: Where's the picture? You brother.
3: I don't have a picture of y'all. Y'all my... never took a picture together.
4: Well, everybody but three. Brett, we, yeah, I got two hundred three. Right
2: you could just Photoshop Brett right in.
4: Right, let's do it.
3: I mean, <laughs> if, mobile, if Mobilized would have been in Vegas, we would have. We could have got it. Hmm. Yeah.
4: You could we'll have take
0: have
4: a do. screenshot. Right. <laughs> yeah.
3: Screenshot. Hey, it's something to look forward to, <laughs> you guys. Next year, next year, Vegas. I'll be there.
4: Maybe one day you'll acknowledge that we're your family too. (laughs) Right now, we feel like that, like other side. We're the others. (laughs) (laughs) We get brought in for for holidays that you have to invite us to. (laughs) (laughs) Just kidding.
2: Yeah, was just. I have a question.
1: (laughs) Go for it. So when you hear the word relationship what right away pops in your head don't all speak at once
2: i mean i was gonna say like it would have been like the first thing i would have thought of was like sex or like a girlfriend but you know like now i think of all sorts of stuff like i have relationships but that's just because of all the work I've done. Right. So like now my brain works different. I think about it in those terms, like I have relationships with people at work, with my family, with my kids, you know, with, with you, you know, with all these different types of relationships. And I, I get to discern which ones are meaningful to me. And then it's up to me to like put effort forth to cultivate them, you know, cause if you don't, then they're going to go nowhere. You know, they're not going to grow, uh, but, yeah, that's my answer.
3: Good answer. Man. I was thinking the same thing.
1: Where's your Thanks, bell, Thanks,
3: bud. Right there. Yeah. On you have ex- your bell on the right. stick?
2: Dude, hell yeah. It's Where's for Jason's idea. production value,
3: bro. Oh, okay. so you can see it. <laughs> <laughs> he goes, winds back. Wham! <laughs> gotcha. Yeah, I agree with Jason on that. For my my initial thought is, you know, between you know, uh, you know, a couple. But then, uh, with my recovery brain, it's now like uh, everyone I everyone I cross path with, I have a, some type of relationship with.
4: Well, I'm gonna take this a totally different direction because that's what I do. Um, and thinking with my project management background, brain like relationships so in a project you have like stakeholders and so you have to have to make the project work you have to have all these different relationships and even have communication plans and you have power and influence charts and so like a relationship can be as simple as like someone that's a co-worker that you only talk to at work that you need for a specific project and you might never talk again that's a relationship there's also people that you've known since you were born and that's a different type of relationship um so i think i think when i think of it it's it's complicated it's every single type of i think social connection humans are social beings and everything that we need in life has to there be taught given etc through a relationship some are good some are bad some need more boundaries some have too many boundaries like but yeah everything's a relationship
1: 100 yeah brett did you want to chime in i'm going to
0: agree yeah i'm going to agree with with what jason and jr both said as far as like my past idea of relationships versus relationships now that I'm in recovery and I've done a little bit of work and seeing the difference and like learning more about relationships and people. And I feel like I've shared it before, like the idea of intimacy as well. Like I had the Mm. idea of, of being intimate before I was in recovery was like, that means we're going to hook up. And now like I, like the first intimate relationship I had was with a sponsor, like learning how to be vulnerable and open up and, Mm. you know, truly, Show someone who I was and like all the nasty, icky stuff that I didn't think I'd ever share with anybody. So I've learned a lot about that through recovery. Yeah. Who well,
1: can 100% I ask one hundred percent? And did you say you want to ask a no. question?
4: Yeah, I, I mean, I agree with Brett. I'm not saying I don't agree with each of you, but so, <laughs> you guys have a primary care doctor, or just a doctor? You want to see? Okay. Yeah. I didn't
2: until about a year into my recovery though.
4: Do you have a relationship with your doctor?
2: Sure. Yeah. I mean now it's like I've you know, after I addressed my physical health for a while that you know, because that was kind of a bunch of different appointments and, and then you know getting on meds for my depression and then having to like check in like once every month or whatever it was for a while but now it's once a year typically I mean unless something was to happen I would hit her up for but yeah when we see each other it's like hey how's it going and she's like always really curious about my recovery because of course I tell everybody everywhere everything about that <laughs> so she knows all about it you know so she wouldn't know and then we catch up and uh it's always a good time.
1: It's a different type of relationship. Well, there's a reason I ask if you want to know. Go ahead.
4: Yeah, I want to yeah. hear. I was just curious about if that was what they just considered a relationship too. Go ahead.
1: Yeah, so on the podcast now there's going to be a monthly special edition with my new co-host who will just show, she'll just be there for the monthly was what she could commit to and shout out um, another female, but we're going to be uh, the special edition. The episodes are going to be called um, um, risky relationships. And of course the first episode just premiered previously. And she picked we, we totally focused on those, you know, girlfriend, boyfriend. Well, she, we titled it banging, banging, banging boundaries. So more of those really connect, you know, those go-to relationships you think of as your spouse, your partner. Um, but like everyone pretty much said here too, is I've found that I've been in a relationship with myself now over a year and a half. It's been beautiful and really understanding that relationships now is with yes everyone connecting with everyone so relationships with my children relationships with my siblings relationships with my parents like risky relationships especially in recovery are everywhere right Mm -hmm. and so it's so exciting i've been really doing a lot of research now uh because the next one coming up is going to be on rebounds Rebounding, whether you're the reboundy or the rebounder, or you're both just on that train together. Um, yeah. And it's given me Where such a great opportunity to explore what just like a relationship. What does that even mean? Break it down. Relate how you relate to someone. And I don't know if any of you are a fan of Dr. Gabor Mate, but he talks about, you know, everyone goes into a relationship thinking it's 50-50, but no, it should be 100-100-100. And I love mm, that because I love that 100, you are 100 in this relationship, and they should be 100 in that relationship, right? At least initially, you know, that's like, that's where you want to keep that level at. So for me, walking into any, even just friendship relationships, you know, I'm gauging kind of where we're both at in our lives right now. Like, I definitely want to be around people that have similar mindsets, and it can be a healthy relationship. But what I've learned with boundaries is it's able, it's helped me be able to really see when it could be a risky relationship. And for me, relationships does not mean boyfriend, girlfriend ever. <laughs> it hasn't for a long time. But when I make those connections in recovery, my family in recovery, those are all really deep connected relationships that I want to take care of um, mm-hmm. for both of us, or all of us.
3: Right. You want to keep them healthy. So,
1: yeah, tune in. (laughs) Tune in monthly uh, special edition Kiss Recovery. We're going to do we're going to be doing focusing on risky relationships. So, again, (laughs) next week is just going to be on rebounding, which, oh, my gosh, I've learned so much just doing the research. I mean, the best way to learn something is to is I mean, the best way to teach something is to learn something is to have to teach it. Right. So, you know, I have a month. Well, now I only have a couple of weeks, but. I've been doing so much research and just finding these things out for myself.
2: It's I'm awesome. excited. Holly's got jokes.
1: Everyone talks about... Everyone t- <laughs> Holly, <shout laughs> out. Don't we wish we could put some of them on a boat sometimes?
2: <laughs> yeah,
4: right. Sure, yeah, It's going down. That's so fun. as you're doing you the show have and have as you progress... On your ship. So, yeah. so my interest, you know, my you know, interest in humans and stuff, I, I would love to see how r- the word risk and what is considered risky and how that develops. Because to me personally, I think those rebounds are almost less risky than when you show up authentically as yourself in a relationship and you tell who you are and what you, you know, being able to say, even I'm a person in recovery and this is where I was at, this is where I'm at, like, that's like
1: A huge risk. Well, I would love to explore that. I 100% um, show up authentically and put my recovery right out there. Because if someone's, what's that Dr. Seuss quote? It's beautiful. Be who you are because those who mind don't matter and those who matter don't mind. So someone right off the gate, is intimidated or whatever ghosts me because I'm in recovery. Well, that was not a meant to be connection I want anyway. Right. And I found that having this year and a half off, I finally really feel like I know myself. Like I didn't even know myself, like what my core values are. What are things that I enjoy? Like in this process, I can really say I authentically love myself. And I'm okay saying that. It doesn't sound like I'm being full of myself anymore. I feel like it's my truth. And I could never say that before because I didn't even know myself. So how could I expect to connect with anyone if I I couldn't even truly connect with myself? And that's what I love about recovery. It gives me this opportunity to constantly self-reflect and want to really learn and grow and heal um, within myself.
3: I love it. Yeah.
1: And to answer Holly's
4: question, no, not all risk is bad. Without risk, there you never gain anything. You have to you know that saying big with big risk comes big rewards. You know, like you have
2: No to, risk it, no biscuit.
4: I mean, you shouldn't be risky all the time and there's different situations, but I would be interested to see this would be a fun like survey to take once and see if people are really honest, who is more likely to sleep with someone on the first date or tell somebody they're in recovery on the first date, what, what they'd be more likely to think was less risky.
0: Are we answering this right now?
4: I love what Pamela just said.
0: <laughs>
4: yeah. I think so too. But, I mean, we don't have to answer it. I'm just saying it would be interesting to find out, like, are you more likely to tell someone you're in recovery and what you're in recovery from? Or are you more likely to sleep with someone on the first date which one seems less risky
0: i mean i don't i don't mind well on our
1: show we have pro tips so on the the um risky relationships um i got rid of the hot seat so if you listen to just the regular show kiss recovery 101 we always do the hot seat which is three hot questions which are meant to be deeper heavier questions we got rid of that though just for the monthly, this risky relationship. And we're putting in three pro tips because I think it's really important whatever we talk about, if someone maybe gets a little seed or a little fire or just like all of a sudden realizes, ooh, this is something that I do or I've done or I don't wanna do. We got pro tips, which is professional tips, not for me, um, that we share. So on our last edition, we're talking about, you know, sexual relationships, banging boundaries. Um, one of the pro tips is um, to read the five love languages because it's very important to know what your own love language is, love language is. Um, and then also to understand that other people feel loved in other ways and to understand their languages. But my favorite, I think, pro tip is to have a coach. Okay, so it could be a friend, it could be a sponsor, it could be a mentor, it could be a guide, but it's somebody specifically you trust, Right. You know that they're looking out for the best for for you. They're not your buddy who's going to get in trouble with you, right? And they're not – there's someone who's going to call you on your bullshit too, you know, but you know it's in a loving manner. You know it's going to be constructive criticism. But it's a coach. So on your venture, so we were talking about sex relationships, right? Pick that one person that you can at least be accountable to or at least get advice from, but they're not someone that's going to lecture you and you know, make you feel bad about your choices. So what's wonderful about Ange, my co-host, is we're both, on, we're both about the same age. I think she's a little, she's younger, but we're totally on different paths. Now she has 15 plus years of recovery, right? I'll just be getting three next month, but she is just starting divorce, right? I was married 10 years and my divorce officially ended in 2015. So it's really cool, the dynamic that uh, I feel like our personalities in general, our wisdom in general, um, but just our present day take on these concepts are, it's more of a balance, you know, because she can remind me of things that I've maybe grown from. And then also I could, you know, give her some wisdom because now I've already been through soaring my oats and uh, exploring those things because... For me, addiction is about wanting something more to fill that emptiness inside me. And so I'm in recovery forever because I'm not just in recovery from substance use. I'm in recovery from anything that I want to make, that makes me feel good, that I want to make, have, you know, go above moderation. So that could be shopping. It was sex. It can be food. It can be working out. I mean, I could turn anything into an addiction, right? So I think it's really important to really find, start wanting to find yourself. And I, I couldn't even begin to do that until I was able to really, truly forgive myself. And I couldn't do that until I found someone I trusted that heard all the horrible things about me. Um, and she still loved me unconditionally. And so because she could forgive this awful human being that I thought I was, It made me back in that time, made me say, this person loves me for some reason. This person thinks I have value. I want to show her that she's, I want to show her that she has a right, like, she has a good reason. And so letting that wall down allowed me to come. Where I sit today, you wouldn't have recognized me three years ago. (laughs) I was very antisocial. I had huge anxiety, talking out loud at all i walk into a room with more than three people i was shaking shaking i mean that still will happen there's there's healthy anxiety uh which now though i switch that to i'm excited i'm excited but i was definitely in the realm of fate i would have fainting spells and panic attacks and um but i have a lot of trauma in my past too so being on the podcast allows me to openly talk about it because i feel like there's so many things that I can share now that back when I didn't think anybody could understand or connect Mm -hmm. with. So I'm hoping the craziness I share, someone's like that, that's me too. Like I'm not alone.
2: And you're not alone.
3: Yes. SAMHSA defines uh, recovery as a process of change, which a person improves their health and wellness. Lives a self-directed life and strives to reach their full potential.
4: They sure do.
3: I stole Ash, Ag's thunder on that one. Yes, you did. I've been I using could, it. I wrote she it on was probably
1: typing <laughs> it
2: out as you said ready to put it in the comments. <laughs> yeah, it's good stuff. I like it because it it's very broad. Yeah, very broad, very broad. I
4: like that. I'm rubbing oh, off. Well, to answer
1: Holly. To answer Holly and Ashley's questions, I think it's so important, yes, to take the risks, right? But with that, safe, having safe people around you to give you advice, to mentor, to guide with you, to... I mean, obviously, there's measures that we talked about on the show. Like, if you're going to make have sexual relations, uh, take safe, you know, use safety measures, protection. But also, make sure people know where you're going. Make sure someone knows who this person is. Make sure, you know, I think it's... No matter, I think it's so important for me anyway, to put myself out there. I was just rejected recently with a guy that I thought, I thought there was something there. Um, and yes, it was a risk for me cause I openly went after him. I just said, Hey, let's get together. Let's connect. Let's, uh, well, I'm not talking sex. I was just saying let's meet for smoothies. Uh, <laughs> but he totally blew me off. Um, and honestly, right away I talked to my, my roommates. And i let them know immediately those emotions that i was feeling i was able to label them and process through them health in a healthy manner um and within you know a couple of days i realized well his loss not me that was him he's working on himself and you know i don't have to escape from that those icky emotions anymore just processing those uh with people but i think it's so important to take reasonable healthy risks uh but be smart about it, you know. True that. Well,
4: so risk is defined as, you know, the chance, harm or injury, safety, right? Pretty much.
1: Well, right? I think it also, I think more applies to like your emotional. Well, that's uh, where it's going to go. Mental. That's where I was mm-hmm. going to go.
4: Definition yeah, of psychological That's where safety. I'm more like applying it. understands
1: psychological
4: safety. So, like, you know, there's the risk, the sexual, like, risks, STIs, and all that kind of stuff that, you know, you're talking about preventing. But there's also psychological safety. And um, psychological safety is human need. You know, so, like, not that. Physical safety is not. If they kill you, I, I that would be the end of things. So there's both.
1: Really bad. Yeah, they can break your but, heart too. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's why, like, the pro tips, again, the show is based on really basic concepts. Especially for me back in the day, I didn't have friends. I didn't have family. I didn't have any connections. So it's really the pro tips are broken down to where you could start today. And so one of those is like getting like a coach or a friend, like a love coach or friend. But really I would encourage, I love therapy, having a therapist, having a counselor, someone you know who's also qualified, maybe has some licensing or certifications. That's why peer recovery specialists that are certified have training, right? I did the emotional, uh, what was it? Motivational interviewing training? Mm-hmm. huge huge how I interact with my kids I use Hell yeah. motivational interviewing now with anybody you know because yeah with finding those answers within a person within themselves
3: mm-hmm. absolutely uh, don't you have a video that you wanted to run I mean I have some questions oh but I didn't want to, I didn't want to stop the video
1: yeah, I got to share uh, five minutes uh, on the spot, shared, and uh, it was beautiful because I didn't get to write it down or anything, but my recovery is really every day. Self-knowledge, 100% is my addiction, and uh, I learned things as much as I can, and so it's funny, when you, if, you look, if you get to listen to it or if you're going to share it, um, I was talking about Oprah <laughs> at a 12-step speaker meeting, so but it was Yeah, relevant. we're going to play it right now. Hi, Bridge Recovery. So it's interesting because last week I was here to see my friend who was the main speaker, and we were here early to do service, and uh, I got roped into doing the promises, and I did okay. And I was like, oh, maybe one day I should speak, and here I am looking at you. So this is, forgive me. I get nervous. But five minutes, I could do that. So I thought about... Where I'm at today, I got two years in December. Um, thank you. But let me tell you, there was 17 years um, that I struggled. And I think the biggest piece for me was I couldn't find connection. I felt like I'm really the only person that's this messed up and nobody will really understand why I am the way I am because I don't even understand it. And I remember hearing um, the opposite to addiction is connection. And I listened to a lot of motivational videos and speakers and I just try to listen. Um, And uh, Oprah, I just had this aha moment. She said, you can't truly find connection with other people until you find connection with yourself. And, well, I tie everything into recovery in this program, and I thought, that's really accurate. That's what I'm so grateful for, is this program gave me this opportunity to constantly reflect on myself with people that are very much like me Um, but also just keeping me aware of the ever-changing world and, and the outside things that I used to let, you know, easily let me isolate and hermit and hide from people. And I realized that, you know, the first step, the first word and the first step is we. So for 17 years... I was trying to do it by myself. The steps, meetings, you know, I didn't really lock in that I, all I was really seeking was connection. And it was step five. I remember that moment. Oh, it makes me emotional. I couldn't truly even begin to connect with myself because I couldn't forgive myself. 17 years of a lot of regrets and mistakes and things I spent a lot of time trying to forget because I felt like I deserved to be punished. And so when I finally did Step 5 for real, I remember, you know, I wrote all the things down and I I said them to my higher power, like, my higher power knows what I did. I know what I did. Like, why do I got to say it to another human being? So when I finally did that, over two years ago, I just remember my sponsor just looking at me with the same, she still loved me. She, I pictured in my head that she would immediately like look at me with disgust and, and I thought everyone would think I was this horrible, awful human being. And so she was like, oh. That's it. Okay, let's move on. I'm like, what? That's it? (laughs) So for so long, I lived in my own fear. And I feel like, you know, the the two core emotions are love and fear. So whatever you're feeling, anger or scared or, or joy or happiness, those two core emotions our love and fear. And so when I'm angry about something or I'm anxious about something or I'm stressed about something, sometimes it's really hard, especially when I'm angry. Like what about, what, what am I scared of? I'm not scared of nothing. I realize it is, it, it does always fall into that category, especially when I'm hurt. You know, initially I'm angry about it, but when I reflect and I do my step 10 nightly, I need that. Um, I can really take an honest look at myself. And if I wake up in the morning and I, it's still heavy on my heart, I reach out to my family in recovery because I know you won't judge me. And this is the only place that I can be my authentic self for real and like feel really connected. Like every single person here. Well, now it's kind of a double edged sword. I have an open book, so be careful what you ask me might tell you everything and too much. But I'm not scared anymore. And so now it's such an honor to be of service and to sponsor other women in the program because I know that feeling, and I love to give them that connection that I longed for and didn't have for so long because no matter what, I was taking and taking and taking from this program, and that's okay when you need it, that's what, that's what it's for. But I finally surrendered. I finally crossed over. I finally live and love in the steps. And so I give, 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 give all over the place because I finally can. And so I'm just grateful. And it wasn't so bad. So see, I say yes. If fear like, no, that means I have to say yes. So thank you.
2: Oh, yeah. I love that. What you said, if fear says no, then I have to say yes. Cause that's, that's it, man. You know, we were just talking about it in the comments, uh, cause Pamela had asked that question, you know, if risk can be defined as just the perceived risk of stepping out of your comfort zone. And I was like, hell yeah, because it always feels risky when you're stepping outside of your comfort zone. That's why it's uncomfortable. <laughs> and, you know, it's just like in that moment, whether it's ridiculous or not, you know, whether it's silly, it doesn't matter because your perception is your reality in in each moment. And you know, like somebody could say something to you and you could take it completely wrong, but now you're feeling some type of way and you're gonna feel that feeling until it plays itself out. And that's because you know, we are right in it. You know, perceived reality is still that person's reality. Uh, yeah, it's totally cool. Like, step right through that shit.
3: Step through it. Bam.
1: Well, and on that note, you know, with uh, recovery dharma, I love that just that concept that it's not a good feeling. It's not a bad feeling. It's just it's a feeling, you know, Right. and, and sitting with that awkwardness or uncomfortableness sitting and and processing and just sitting with it like it's okay it's good but not running away you know not escaping not making excuses not distracting i'm a really good distractor
2: right Um, well it's like you you said observe the feeling acknowledge the feeling and that's it don't pass judgment on the feeling right don't don't uh, let it ruin your whole day, like be pre- being present in that moment with that feeling. You'll be able to process through it and move on. And, you know, maybe it was a bad moment. It doesn't have to be a bad day or week or month or year.
1: Feel those feelings. Mm. And, uh, yeah, my therapist uh, many times, because I, t- I went to DBT, which is dialectic behavior therapy. I did that program. And that was, like, that changed my life. Like, the 12 steps alone for me wasn't, I, it wasn't enough for me. Like, I needed, I needed brain science facts about why I was the way I was. Like, yes, spirituality is so important and important to me, but I needed tangible things to see why I'm so messed up, at least. And uh, DBT really taught me, like, to really sit, and process and be able to label those emotions and those feelings and that they're human, right? You know, like that's why I will never be a perfect being. Like I have emotions, I get emotional, but now my go-to's aren't, I don't, I don't react anymore. I wait and I respond. I pause a lot of times, I'll pause. And I love to share that acronym because it makes me pause. It's practice awareness until spirituality emerges but just pausing and trying to self-regulate regulate myself you know um without substance use without distractions without you know outside drama drama so i see a lot of people doing that pointing fingers and and anytime anyone says anything negative to me i know it's something within them even if it's a direct attack i know that it's it's something within them that they're Tony Robbins says when anyone, when you're having a conversation with anyone, you know, not your go-to like acquaintance, but like in in, a, a conversation, you know, with someone for more than a few minutes, what they say to you is either in a loving response or a cry for help. So I feel like if anybody's saying anything negative, it's there, it's a cry for help. It might come out as an attack and I was that person. Like I would not show weakness. Um, but now I have that, I have just like the sixth sense of, okay, what are, what's really going on with them? You know, is this something that I can help with? Or, well, I was guarded. A lot of times nobody's hearing, like there's no point in reacting because DBT taught me bridge, is it better to be right? Or is it better to be effective? So when I feel myself getting reactive, I ask myself that question, am I going to be effective here? Like, I know I'm right, right? I know I'm right. But is that person hearing me right now? Probably not. So it's a good time to pause and come back to it. And a lot of times, if it's people that I care about, those relationships, I will come back to it. But if it's somebody that I just met or don't like or whatever, I don't have to waste that energy there's a lot of energy vampires out there right they feel bad they want you to feel bad they want you to come down to that level like i i feel that energy and i can choose it's november by the way have you guys heard of that and november it's a great time to practice saying no
2: oh nice
1: i don't know i'm a retired people pleaser yeah mm. i'm a retired people pleaser i like to say and so it's so great to really practice my mom's group we've been practicing saying no like you don't have to say yes there's a there's a great book i can't remember the author but it, he says if it's not a hell yes then it's a no which i love because uh, i was always a yes person you know
2: that's true that's good but Yeah, stuff boundaries
1: is a ba- beautiful word so setting those boundaries for yourself Making, I just say it's a promise to myself, right? So if I can't mm-hmm. keep promises to myself, how can I expect anybody else to follow yeah. my guidelines?
2: Right. It's true. You got to practice what you preach. You can't sit there and try to transmit something that you're not doing or following or you're living, you
1: know. Right. And are we all the best BS sniffers? Like, you know, it's real easy to catch when someone's not being, um. Should we say, you know, completely living what they're, what they're saying they do? I don't know. I just, I've, 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 I, I'm very much into listening to other people's stories. And I can gauge if someone's, if that's something they walk and talk and do, just on their attitude. Like, if you're telling me these are the things that work for you and you're working this program, but you're an asshole. Oh, sorry. I don't know if I could cuss.
0: You can cuss. Sorry
1: about that. Um, Go for it. Okay. But Dude. you're an a-hole, like, I don't think I'm going to believe what, cause what's coming out of your mouth, you know? Like, that's not something I, I feel is authentic, so. Hate. Well, I, I think I,
2: from fellowship is a big one. If you go to a lot of meetings and you, you couple that with a lot of fellowship, uh, it ain't going to take you long to figure out who's walking the walk and who's just waxing poetic around the table and uh, thing, living by shit.
1: Right,
2: their their attitude, their behavior, their yeah, the way they treat people is not in line with what they say around that table when they're trying to blow minds with the power share. You know,
4: I wanted to respond to Tiff and let her know that she said she was 91 days clean. He had that on the screen.
2: Yeah, Tiff.
4: And I just wanted to say I'm five and a half years and I'm still a people pleaser. So yeah, um, don't don't feel bad join the club where we're all we're all trying to become retired
2: well i'm looking at like this those are those are behavior patterns and belief patterns that are so deeply ingrained in you i mean that is the type of stuff that is why this needs to be a lifelong you know commitment that we continue to work on ourselves and build that self-awareness so that we can continue to make those changes as we see them and it You really need to just give yourself grace because you're not going to ever be done working on yourself. If you want to stay clean and and have it not only just being sober, but like fulfilling and meaningful lifestyle for you, then, yeah, it's going to be a never-ending story. Well,
1: I have a pro (laughs) tip on
2: that. Oh, right on.
1: So in our women's group, um, a pro tip on because a lot of us, yeah, in the group are Uh, people pleasers or retired people pleasers but Brene brown has this fantastic advice and it's simply well first of all you got to practice it okay so saying no in that moment might be really hard so what she recommends is just don't commit okay so you don't even have to say no okay so someone will say hey even if it's as simple as we should go do this again next week or next time she says in your head literally say to yourself this is awkward this is awkward this is awkward well i'd like to see you again sometime but you don't have to like commit to anything and if you're like me you don't want to hurt anyone's feelings you could simply say you know what i'm let me check on that i actually i gotta check my planner or whatever you're like you don't if you're not really ready to say no up front right away you can definitely not commit to something right away
2: true that yeah, or just say, like, we'll see, right? Like,
1: mm-hmm.
2: we'll see. We'll cross that bridge when we get there. We'll see how it works out. I can't make any promises. Yeah, let
1: me check on I'll, you. That, let me check on that. Sounds like a great idea.
2: <laughs> I always tell people I can't. I I hate to make promises that I can't keep. So I want to make damn sure that I can keep them. And then, even then, sometimes if I make plans, uh, something might happen. Maybe I just feel like shit that day or God knows what, but something might happen that makes me really kind of not want to go do that thing. I really try to, you know, push myself to show up. If I said I was going to be there, I mean, then, you know, if it's within my doing to do it, then I should do it because I said I'd be there. Like, I I think it's important to me to live in integrity today, but, you know, if I'm sick and I I don't want to get you sick, obviously, I'd probably call it off. But other than that, like... I gotta show up. If there's no real good reason for me not to show up, it's like you already said you would, dude. So you gotta follow through with what you say because those that ship sailed. Those days are done. When I'm just this fucking flaky dude who nobody can count on, you know what I mean? I try to try to be the guy you can count on today. One
1: hundred percent, and actually. Uh, My friend, Sarah, she's actually been the one really facilitate hosting that this whole concept. And she shared a couple of really great memes or whatever. So one says, I don't say no, because I am so busy. I say no, because I don't want to be so busy. And that was me. My first year of recovery, like legit recovery, I was doing so much. And for anybody and anybody who asked, and I was getting taken advantage of really quickly. By women I were trying I was trying to mentor. Like I have horror stories of going above and beyond thinking I you know trying to support and 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 help women that are I was getting into conversations with boyfriends and I was doing really unsafe things actually uh, because I felt like I I can't say no right now. Like but a really brilliant mentor of mine said, Bridge, your home, you yourself has to be a safe balanced space because you can't you know support and give recovery to anybody else until you make sure you're a solid and fulfilled safe person so it's okay to say no like if it's going to be put you in harm's way or you feel like you know like it's going to test my own recovery 100% um I do not make any commitments like that oh yeah Because you can't want recovery more than somebody else wants their own recovery, right? So I learned that really quickly. Like I can't ever want their re...
2: Did she click out?
4: I think she's paused, frozen. I don't know. I was gonna say like, until she comes back that somebody told me a, a couple weeks ago about a plate and since we just had thanksgiving it's a great you know way to think about it you you got you have a plate and there's a buffet and it's like all of your favorite foods and you have one plate do you and you can only put so much on it yeah you can stack it up really high um <laughs> you can have stuff falling off um well but once your food's all together and and it's stacked high can you taste what each thing is because it's all mixed together or does it just taste all like the same thing? Is there any like enjoyment out of each specific item that you love? Um, And once you've had it, it's on your plate, like you, you can't really share it with someone else. You can't really like save it for the next day with leftovers because you've already touched it. It's already like on your plate, you know, it's already mixed in. But if you only take what you can eat, then you can share with somebody else. You can, save it for the next day. You can enjoy it more. So like if you think of life as a plate, if you put too much on it and you don't say no, like you can't enjoy and you can't show up for everything because you're trying to do everything and everything just melts together.
2: Nice. Yeah. I like that example because that is totally like you know, to what Bridge said, it was similar for me. I did not know how to stop. Like I was going to like 10 meetings a week, probably fellowship almost every day of the week in some sort of form or other, you know, and it, it was just like, from the second I'd wake up till i barely could keep my eyes open anymore i was running and gunning and i didn't have no job and i was busier than i ever was in my life (laughs) you know what i mean you can only burn the candle at both ends so long and you just collapse and uh yeah it's been it's it's been a lot better recent last couple years you know but at the same time like balance is always gonna be like this thing that i need to work on i think you know
4: yeah, and I think that's common with, you know, we're all either all in or all out. It's like, I mean, not yeah. everybody's like that, but I know that I am. Right. And that's a common trait in our population, you know. It's like exercise. Yep, let's go seven days a week, four hours a day. Or uh, uh, I haven't been to the gym in two years.
3: Six but, days a week.
4: But Do I you think- really,
3: JR? Yeah. yeah. Wow, look at you. Yeah.
4: But um, yeah, I'm working with Jacqueline on that, like with consulting and stuff, you know, values, you know, figuring out what my values are and then saying no to things that don't align with that or that aren't as important for my priorities. Um, Because just like Bridge said, we can't help everyone as awful as that sounds. And if we don't give, you know, our full selves to the things that we can make a difference in, then we're only like. You know, not effective in any of the areas, and that sucks too. Right.
3: Yeah, that's what I found uh, when I when I got down here. I mean, I've I've been staying at the uh, treatment facility, you know, since I I landed, and uh, I find myself working pretty much seven days a week. So I've uh, I've noticed that, and that's when I I started doing outside things. You know, like I'll take walks during the day, you know, uh, spend a lot of time at the gym. You know and you know it's just getting out it's getting a mental break from my job mm. because it's like every time i'm here you know if someone needs something you know i'll, t- I'll sit down and talk with someone so it's right. you know it's 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 about finding the boundaries so i don't burn out you know if i burnt out then i'm no good to nobody right Oh yeah
2: So how was everybody's holiday anyway? Did anybody have any uh, issues uh, the last couple days that uh, they want to talk about or, or just share, like, what was good about it or what was hard about it? Are we still doing the call-in thing? Yes, we are. We can. Uh, People never good. call, but
3: we can always call. Oh. Hang on. Let
2: me, I
4: called. What's
3: the number? What's the number? Thank you.
2: So nobody's going to answer that question.
4: <laughs> There's the live call-in.
2: Not that question. Sorry. I got the question. I got cut
4: off. You guys kicked was, me out. I know. If we had anything in the last few days with the holidays or any challenges or struggles, and I think you probably also met wins or any of that.
2: Yeah, I said he, Anybody want to share how their holiday went? Like share what was hard about it or share what was good about it?
4: I'll try to summarize there.
0: I feel like Jason's asking this question at me a little bit. No, no, really. Actually, no.
1: <laughs> yes. And that's
0: a point over there.
1: That's how you, Brad.
0: That's at me. Uh, All right. That's you. Yeah, I, I don't want to. I'm, I'm not going to use any names because I don't want to put anybody on blast, but I have a a family member that has indicated in the past that they have struggled with alcohol and they were consuming alcohol yesterday. And it was, it was tough, man, just to see that person still struggling and not in the place where they were a few weeks ago, where they were wanting to stop, I guess. I don't know. Like, like we've said a thousand times, like we can't recover for anybody else. We can't make anybody stop, but it it's hard to see right it is
4: I think this this holiday was different for me Thanksgiving isn't one of my favorite holidays like it's not even like my top five so I'll be honest <laughs>
1: what? um
4: well I don't like turkey number one I'm diabetic and all the starches like really screw with my blood sugar and so yeah I' just I'm just complaining here anyway I um, <laughs> But, like, it made me think that I actually went to treatment for the last time, because I went to treatment twice. Um, The last time was the day after Thanksgiving in 2016. So, like, this year for Thanksgiving, I was like, how different has my life turned around? Like, because 2016, like, I was getting ready to, like, I was with my family, but it was... I've been brought to Florida to go to, to rehab essentially. And I was leaving the next day to go um, for 28 days. And um, I didn't know what that was going to look like or what it was going to be like. And um, like this year, like, and it was just joking around, but you know, my cousin's like, I'm going to need to get your autograph because you know, the magazine thing and they were talking about it. So, but it's just like, how does your life change so much in six years? Like, it's amazing. Like and and it's not always wonderful. Not every day is wonderful, not every but it's I would have never imagined six years ago that life would look like this.
2: Boom. sup LC Noise.
3: One
4: yeah,
2: of my, my favorite know. people. I was uh what do you call it, like had plans. Initially, we were supposed to be hosting at like noon or like eat around like noon or one and then go to another thing at like five, Um, which is an event that's not my immediate family, but it's like my brother and sister's, you know, their dad's side. So, but they were both going to it. And I, I really wanted to see them, you know, because it's our first year doing holidays without our mom so uh I was a little bummed that some plans got changed and shifted the day before Thanksgiving and uh pushed back the time we were gonna eat here so then I couldn't make it I mean I could have made it but I would have had to like literally show up and say hey what's up and high five a couple people and then leave you know like fuck that it's pointless uh but you know to be honest that was a event like a didn't want to really go to anyway, because everybody's always blazing outside and then they're getting drunk, like within an hour of when they start partying there, there's people fucking slurring and the whole house just reeks and I ain't judging, but you know, I got my kid with me and then my girl's seven-year-old daughter too, who I consider my own, you know, it's like, I don't want to bring them around that either. And it's just not the type of environment that I want to, like, sit and hang in. But I watched uh, A Christmas Story Christmas, the new one that just came out. It's on Epics and HBO Max. I watched it last night. And, of course, it's all about, like, the whole, like, thing is basically based around, like, he finds out that his dad died. And then he needs to be there for his mom. So they go travel back to the hometown, you know, the old neighborhood, and all the original characters are in this movie, and he's supposed to be, like, stepping into his dad's shoes and to make it this great family Christmas because that's what he would have wanted, you know? And it was, like,
3: it really got, like, tugged at my heart, man. Like Jason, you're not supposed to spoil the movie for people that have not seen it. I
2: didn't. (laughs) <laughs> That's not spoilers. That's one little piece of it, and if you watch the trailer, it's in the trailer. So, didn't spoil it. Trust me, I promise. Well, these in the house.
4: Well, yeah. I, I think what you're talking about, Jason, gets us into an, an interesting topic that we were talking about in the chat before the show yesterday: is being grateful versus life being perfect, mm-hmm. and you know whether you should be grateful or or you shouldn't and it's like what you had to deal with yesterday was hard and it's not something that's easy to be grateful or that you even have to be grateful for yesterday. Like like there's no you know I, I have no idea how you felt or or cannot, you know, begin to speak for you. Right but I can say that I am grateful that that first year is over for you. Like yeah. you know what I'm saying? Like that may, may that that might be the only thing in the day, you know, but it's that at least it's over today, you know.
2: Yeah, it may be that one, you know, it's the first holiday, so obviously got a whole year of holidays to go, but I don't know, man. I mean, I honestly it had a really awesome day. I knew about the plans that change so I was very intentional right away first thing in the morning yesterday to reach out to my brother and my sister and we chatted back and forth and I checked in with them to see how they were feeling about um you know if if anything was coming up in regards to mom and and we got to open up to each other a little bit right away first thing in the morning have some nice chats and uh express our gratitude and love for each other and uh, I let them know you know that I'll be available all day like I'll be helping out and stuff with things but you know I can step away at any given moment if you need to talk and I think everybody ended up being able to you know make it a good day Uh, I I had a great day it was fun you know and I didn't get to emotional about mom I just I feel, I think that helped so much just setting that intention first thing in the morning to discuss it to air it out to talk about it and and to try to like open that door to that opportunity to support one another right away because that you know any of that tension for the build-up to the holiday that might have been there for any of us I think we got to kind of like Ventilate that out, you know, and kind of like decompress and let it out and talk about it, and we feel good after. I know I did. I felt pretty light on my feet after we talked and went about the day, and had a fucking kick-ass day. Had a lot of fun giving her my girl's family shit and (laughs) playing with the kids, and uh, yeah, watched that movie last night. And like I said, that gave me kind of brought me back into that allowed me to explore that feeling a little bit or acknowledge it, bring it to the surface. Cause you know, it's there, but it's so easy, isn't it? To kind of do stuff and not try not to like think about it or look at it, focus on it.
4: But oh, I'm a so, master avoider and that sometimes makes it worse.
2: Right. Yeah. So I think that was good. i look like actually like at the beginning of the day and at the very end of the day, I was able to go there in a in a safe environment, you know. I was with Sarah at night and I was with my brother and sister in the morning. And,
4: yeah. I'm really glad that you were able to do that and you had the support that you needed. I think I think a lot of times we all forget like that holidays as great as they can be, they can be really hard for a lot of people and there's a lot of people that this was the first Thanksgiving or the first holiday without somebody at the the table, you know, especially with some of the stuff that's gone on in our nation, you know, some some of the mass casualties. There's a, there's a lot of empty seats tonight.
2: Yeah. Sorry to hear about your mom, Tiff. I hope you were able to make it a good grateful day too. Yeah.
3: Bridge, I have a question for you. Sure. What would your advice be for newcomers in recovery about dating? Oh, oh okay. Is it risky? My uh,
1: advice would be it's very risky. Uh, definitely, I never tell someone not to do anything because I know myself uh, hearing that makes me want to. Do that times ten, and prove oh, you yeah. wrong. So I did get that advice, and I did not listen to it for a very long time. Uh, but I started to notice the the cycles and the patterns. So no new covers, especially. I think there's a lot of unwritten rules. And actually, when I was doing research on this, there is no. I didn't find any really specific, like on YouTube, videos that really um, had wise wisdom. It was all like from treatment centers that were like, you need to work on yourself. You need to, you know, focus on your recovery. I and that makes sense. But as a newcomer, <laughs> I already know that. I don't want to hear that. Um, so what I like to do is there's this great book called, uh, Sober Mom's Guide to Recovery. And after each chapter, there's Sober Mom tips and tools. And one of the chapters is, um, dating It's called Dating. And one of the tools is make a list of your dream partner right now. Make a list, you know, are they finding, do they have a good job? They have a nice house. Are they really caring person? Do they love kids? Are they attractive? You know, whatever your list looks like. Okay. So that's what I have, um, women that I work with do make this dream partner companion that you want in a relationship. Right. And the best part is in that book. So you make this list, um, and without saying, maybe hold off on dating. I say the book suggests now become those things, right? Become those that person on your list because until you encompass those things, it's like pointless to go out seeking something. Well, what what I've what I discovered for myself was I was seeking things that I wanted within myself. I was seeking those outside relationships to fill something that. Um, I didn't even possess myself, so I made this list, right? And it was, like, love, service, and cares about the environment. And and what's wonderful is I pulled out that list, actually, because I wanted to update it. And uh, I am all the things on the list. And I tell you, two years ago, I wouldn't have saw that as possible. But it really – I'm confident, and um, I'm a doer. I'm more action-based now. Like, I don't let fear – in the way so with newcomers i never say don't you know definitely if you're gonna do that just be smart about it like tell someone about let someone know what you're doing you know but i love everyone hears about red flags right but my roommate sarah now we have this she just opened me up to this great concept instead of just red flagging everybody which is initially what i always used to do is just say there's a flag don't give it a color yet say there's a flag with this person whoever i'm trying to interact with or starting something with or there's a flag which is just your gut reaction something doesn't feel right here so at that time it's a good point to talk to someone reach out to someone you know um, talk about it, process it, figure out why your gut reaction or why there's something they said or something that flagged you flagged your brain to protect you or whatever Um, and from there as like jason was talking about you know your perception my perception before was always in protect me mode. Like anything you said, if I felt like was, you know, I felt defensive red flag. I'm not talking to you again, ghost you, but now I'm like, nope, there's a flag and I'm just going to, I'm going to see where, where this goes. You know, I mean, obvious red flags are your safety, you know, direct physical threat, but there's like Ashley was talking about, there's definitely emotional and mental um, abuse that you might not even notice. I didn't notice because my whole childhood was mental and emotional abuse. So for many relationships that I was in, I didn't even notice that there was the emotional, the verbal and the um, mental abu- um, abuse going on. So until I talked to a therapist, until I started you know, actually talking about it to people that I trusted, eventually I grew out and started trusting more people in my real life, um, I wasn't even aware of these things within myself. So, to I do cover, I say, yes, you know, with within reason, date. I don't, I do feel like there is unwritten rules and you should, could pause on that, you know, get to know yourself first. Um, but there is no year timeline. Like, I think when you come into, when I came into recovery, I had a whole bunch of life experience just in general that a lot of people, wisdoms, a lot of people don't have necessarily. I think it all depends on what, where you've been in your life, first of all, um, and who your mentor, like who's someone that you, you do want what they have, like who's guiding you, who's mentoring you. Like if you actually respect their advice and opinion, you know, bounce that, those, that off back and forth from them. Cause if there's someone who says, this, this is how I did it, you need to do it this way. And it doesn't feel right. That's not someone you have to work with. Right. So like when I finally found someone that I just felt like didn't judge me and just loved me unconditionally. Like just wanted the best for me just because she's a great person. That was when I let down all these walls I had. She was probably the first person that was like, didn't have to do as I say, not as I do kind of mentality. It was more, you're going to learn as you go, but I'm right here along with you.
3: Love it. I actually uh, took that up. the relationship list test the other day in one of our classes. I didn't know about that. You supposed to flip it. You did? Yeah, you we haven't? did. Yeah, we do a relationship class and and that was the, the we had the all the, the things on the sheet and you went down circling it. And it's like list your top, you know, five, you know, traits that you want in a your perfect ideal partner. Mine was like uh and the flip uh, side is, yeah, tell me yours. Honest, I was going to say on the flip talented, side, you get to see
1: what you already have.
3: Yeah, it was, uh, it was along, along those lines. And I think, you know, I, I kind of think I, I, I do, you know, resemble what I like, you know, except minus the intelligent part.
1: <laughs> oh, we all know you're intelligent. You wrote a book. I can't, even, uh, yeah, at, I can't even I'm looking at keep Jason on my journal. And they're
3: like, uh, yeah, he's right. He's not that so. AG's the there smart is. one. AG's the, the smart one. Jason's the uh this the, the spicy one.
2: Oh, I was muted. Don't talk about my friend like that, JR.
4: <laughs> right.
2: Get him. You are not stupid, my friend.
4: I don't hang out with idiots.
3: Oh, mm. Yeah, no. Well, thank you. Thank you. See, I can take a compliment today. Just take it. Just do it. Put it in your pocket.
1: Well, there's a big difference between intelligence and wisdom, right?
2: Mm-hmm. Correct. Hmm.
1: You know, because you can have all the degrees and you can have all the schooling and now you can learn all, all those things. But wisdom is like what you've learned from experience in life. And right. it's really Absolutely. easy to gauge who's like, you can't just learn that. So like having wisdom is way better than having intelligence per se, but you are intelligent. So just, you know, just it's, uh, that, it actually,
3: that actually reminds me of a early conversation. I think I had it with a uh, old timer. I was like maybe six months sober at the time. He's like, why are you writing a book? You don't know anything about recovery. And I was like, you're right. I don't. But but I have like 25 years of addiction that I know about. That's what I write about. Addiction. Right.
4: I don't necessarily agree with a few of those things. I think I don't think you have to have I think that you could have one month and be able to write a book and be able to say what got you to that one month or what you've learned. Yep. Like, I don't yeah, think absolutely. any time is I don't. I didn't. I've never seen a guide that says you have to have X amount of time before you write a book. Like, maybe there's guidelines somewhere for that. I just have never seen them. But I also think that wisdom is important, but also learning and being open to learning are important too. And I think it depends on the situation whether um, what what works in that situation. I, I don't think. And I mean, there's a difference between iq eq So i mean there's all kinds of i mean there's all kinds of different intelligence there's intelligence when it comes to creativity and music and art and like that's an intelligence as well but so i think there's a lot of different types of and ways to be intelligent
3: absolutely i totally
4: agree Yeah, because I, I think some some people that are wise, they they might they're boxed in their way, their ways a little bit too. Like there's a lot of new information that comes out every day that it's like do you want do you want someone that has twenty five years and they and they know what it was like to come into recovery in a totally different type of world? Or do you want to have Somebody that's new and knows what it's like now? Do you want to have people that are 18 in recovery that know what it's like to be in recovery before they're even legally able to drink? Do you want a room full of a group of diverse people with all those experiences and have collective knowledge in the room? Like
2: all of the above. Sorry, I'm muted. It's okay. Because look, I I always say this on the way out, you know, it's like I learn something from every single person, whether they got five years, 50 years or five minutes, you know, it doesn't matter because and that's one thing that like when that dude said that to you, J.R., when you said that, I was thinking that's a damn shame because he done forgot he forgot that sometimes a fucking person who's struggling off the street, walking in, they could be drunk or high when they walked in that room and opened up about what they are struggling with and broke down. And that could be what he needed in that day to help him stay clean or, or to remind him of what he doesn't want to go back to. You know what I mean? Like that's just as valuable as any other, you know, type of correspondence you have with somebody in recovery. I mean, it. Like, it doesn't matter what stage, what level, you know, you're at, that you you have something that I can learn from if I'm just willing to listen. And that's also, you know, why I think it's so cool that, like, half of your book is other people sharing their fucking stories, you know?
3: Because yeah. yeah, more yeah, perspectives. Actually, actually uh, we're, we're, we're still good friends. We still like to argue about stuff. So, <laughs> you know, he's he probably has me on the sobriety by about 8 years. Nice. Well, it's good. He's probably
2: just trying to keep you right-sized. Yeah,
3: he keeps me. He kept me in line in my early recovery, so I'll give him I'll give him props for that. Yeah.
4: Some of my favorite people are people that like I debate with and argue with. I think like I learn a lot that way. That's how I learn is from hearing other people's opinions. So I don't mind when people disagree. But, but I think it's that JR is able to honor that relationship too. Like, they disagreed, but they're still, like, friends and come to the table and there's no hard feelings. I think that that's amazing because
1: right. that's how we all learn. Like, if we all agreed, what would we learn? Like, nothing.
2: True that.
1: Well, and just changing that word, uh, you know, not a debate. You want to have a dialogue with somebody. Mm-hmm. If somebody yeah, wants absolutely. to debate you, like, that's not... you. Nobody's going to learn in that circumstance. So let's just have a dialogue, right? And I think, to also like the old timers are just anyone who's set in their ways they got the recovery when they got it they do the same things they're not willing to learn or grow i mean for me it's so important that i embrace change and i feel like i have to i go into some meetings and some groups and i have to remind them this is a different world we live in you might have 10 20 25 years but what's on what's out there today it wasn't even out when you were out there at all so like fentanyl let's just put that out there okay like they a lot of them will say but you just you know abstinence that's the only way they're ever gonna get it well that could kill you now just to go to straight abstinence so you can't punish people into abstinence i feel like the old timers or, you know, and a lot of them aren't even old. I actually just went to a meeting on Tuesday and it was just hearing the same things they've said the last 10 years. And I very kindly said, you know, you can really flip because there was another newer person. I said, your higher power is a, it can be anything, any power that you feel is greater than you. It can be nature. I mean, just go out and look under the stars. I can look at the stars and say something bigger and more powerful than any human being created this, right? So, like, I feel like it's so it's hard when they're still using the same senses and the same go-tos because that's all they've known. And you can tell that they're not in the world today.
3: Yeah, the no whole point is to be open, honest, and willing. So, right. right. I mean, we have to question. Well, I don't want to question anyone's recovery as long as they they're sober. You know, no matter how they got there, you know, even if they're they're smoking, you know, marijuana. I mean, if it keeps them off the hard stuff, do it. Blaze up. Do, do your thing,
2: man. Yeah, live your life. Yeah, I really love this question, though. You guys, me too. We should, I was just we gonna, should talk Let's about all
4: this. let's all take a turn and say what worked for us, because I think what works for each of us might be different. Do you want to
2: start, Jason, because you were going to answer? Sure. Uh, So I don't know about overcoming using dreams. uh, If I would necessarily word it or look at it like that myself personally, because, um, but what, here's what I can tell you. Sometimes I still have them, but I would say over time, in my recovery they uh, became less frequent for sure and in most cases a lot less intense um, just over time but i think the biggest thing for me because they are freaky and they still freak me out sometimes because sometimes i'll have like a random one that's really intense and like it's like i'm there you know but here's the thing you know it's it's just like any any part of yourself, you need to be able to learn how to acknowledge it and, and be, you know, we should be able to embrace our whole selves, the ugly parts and everything. So when you have a, a moment where you wake up and you're freaked out and you feel like you fucked up and you you think you were high or God knows what you thought you did in the dream. I mean, I don't know about you, but I done some pretty crazy shit in those dreams where I'm like, wow, you know, it's like my head is swirling with all sorts. But when I realize that I'm not high and I didn't use and that it was just a dream, um, typically I'll pray on it and I'll thank, (laughs) thank the Lord above that I'm not and that I didn't. And, uh, you know, just ask him to calm me down. But, uh, you know, it's it's just knowing that it's okay if you have those dreams, and it's because that's part of who you know your past. It was a big part of your life, and also, I don't know about you, but I kind of I try to find my I try to find the silver lining in it. Like it reminds me of what I don't want to go back to. It gives me that first person perspective like I was really in it even though I got to experience that without actually having to go out and fuck up for real so um I just try to be grateful that it was just a dream but I mean to overcome using dreams I don't think that's a thing for me at least I mean I, I think it's something that'll always occur here and there I think I'll continue having them because it was a big part of my life for a long time and Your brain just does weird shit when you're sleeping. So uh, just learning to become okay with that and not like don't like think too deep on it. Like just because you had a dream about it doesn't mean they'd like secretly somewhere inside of you. You really want to use is all I would say. So that's my answer.
4: I think that's a good answer. Um, For me, it's different. Um, honestly for me I sit and think about the dream and I I feel like maybe at the beginning when I was newer into recovery I felt differently about it but now I feel like it's trying to tell me something if it's coming back like in a situation like did I handle it differently is there something like I could have learned from the situation is there something and for me it's normally like I need to learn something that has nothing to do with drugs honestly it's You know, I handled, I coped using drugs in that situation, or I thought that that was making me happy or healthy or surviving or whatever. So I feel like that dream is to make me assess the situation and see how I could have handled it differently or how I would have handled it today not using. Um, So I think being intentional, you know, and acknowledging the dream, kind of like what Jason said, but acknowledging that that's a part of life and just seeing what I can learn from it. That's how I handle it. And it seems like they have a lot less power over me when I do that.
1: Right on. Yeah. Brett, bridge? Oh, I have, yes. I don't know. So I keep a dream journal, keep a dream journal. Sometimes I wake up at two in the morning and I don't even, it's hard to read what I wrote. (laughs) Um, But I feel like dreams for me are like a a window into my subconscious, you know, because we have thousands and thousands of thoughts all day. Um, And for me, especially if it's a reoccurring dream or nightmare, I would like to say (laughs) Um, like I just had one not too long ago and woke up with the sweats and like really having to remind myself, no, I did not uh, go back out and reuse, but it was, um, I feel like now those dreams, it's important to process them. So keep a dream journal, right? Write down what you were, what you felt like, what you remember, if there's anybody that stood out, is there any particular, um names or where environment you were in, any details you can remember, start writing those down. Cause it's nice if you feel comfortable to actually try to, I process mine with other people, especially if it was a really like really intense, significant one, like, especially the recent one was a particular person that I now. I, the dream helped me realize I was making a point. This person was popping in my life and she was being very negative. I didn't realize it until I had the nightmare slash dream was that I was distracting myself right so I was making a point I'm not gonna respond to her what comments I'm not gonna people are coming to me wanting some juicy gossip I'm not even gonna respond to that but what I was really doing also was distracting from how I really felt about it because it was hurtful so dream journal would be my pro tip And there's a lot of cool techniques you can do before bed. Like when you lay your head on the pillow, there's a lot of cool things. Like you can actually tell yourself, like I want, if you have an, an, like you want an answer to something, this is a little woo woo, but it works for me. Like maybe you want an answer to something, or maybe you just want to have a good dream about something. Like if you like tell yourself that over and over and over a lot of times, um, well, you have several, can have several dreams, but um, I get messages in my dreams. Sometimes I know it sounds woo woo. But especially if I'm really, I can't find an answer. I'm really looking for something. I will ask my, the spirit guides or the universe. You know, I really need an answer. And a lot of times, I wake up and it doesn't make sense. But I'll, I'll have like this message of go do this, and I and I do it. Hence, podcasts. It's like, go do that. Just make it happen. <laughs>
2: I'd say, know, one of the responses, uh, Holly said, you can control your dreams, just move away from what is going on. And I'm thinking, is she, are you recur or referring to like lucid dreaming, Holly? And if you are, Ooh, yeah. it'd be cool if it would be cool if you called us and told us more, because I want to hear about that. <laughs>
1: oh yeah that the journal thing too is how you start to practice lucid dreaming by the way does anyone know what i mean jason you know have you seen that movie with leonardo dicaprio and um
2: inception you
1: know i can't remember
2: are you talking about inception
1: i still watch that inception yep
2: there's another one that's called waking life it's from the 90s it's it's made by the same guy that made like uh Dazed and Confused, Richard Linklater, Linkwater, whatever his name is. Uh, and it's like that kind of, uh, it's like they filmed it live action, but then like ran the whole film through a filter that turned it into like animation. Mm. But, but I don't know. It, it's a trip. That movie is a trip and it's all about lucid dreaming. But I don't know. Kind of hard to understand. Plus, I was getting high when I used to watch that movie. So I was
1: probably... Well, there's key high. things in dreams um, that you can look up that, you know, if you're missing teeth or you go to school naked, there's, like, key things that tend to... It's actually Holly showing, won't call me. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> <Sorry>.
2: <laughs> She's said no way.
1: But you can analyze.
2: Yeah. Sorry to cut you off.
1: How about you, Brett? Oh, that's okay.
0: Um, you need to answer the question, had, too. Yeah, I haven't had that many using dreams. I mean, I can count probably on one hand the number of using dreams I've had. Uh, but honestly, I, I don't remember very many of my dreams. I, I do know that the majority of them were in the beginning. Um, and they definitely freaked me out. And I called my sponsor about it because I didn't know what to do. And it felt so real. Um, but I haven't had one in a, a really long time. And now that I say that I have <laughs> to have one tonight, um, <laughs> right. Um, I, I don't really know what advice to give on that. I mean, I guess I would kind of echo what Jason said, you know, it's, it's something that was such a large part of our life. So it kind of makes sense that it would come up in dreams, but, mm. but I think, I think for me to I think it's just how I think about things. Like I'm, I can take things very literally and I, my wife reminds me of that all the time because I drive her crazy with it. But a, a lot of times my dreams don't make sense. And that's kind of something that I've used when I wake up from a using dream. It's like, well, my dreams never make sense. And I can find something in that using dream that just wouldn't happen in reality. And and that. Helps me realize that it was a dream, and then I just kind of brush it off. But yeah, I've had a couple that were pretty freaky. If that yeah, answers you. the question at all,
2: <laughs> it's a whole thing, man. Using dreams, somebody call us and talk to us about this. Using dreams,
0: I want to hear What's more a... about lucid dreaming. Yeah, I, I want I to hear more about how to do him. it, man. How do I do that?
2: Go it. Holly, needs to call up in here now. She already it's said time. no. She I already know.
0: said no. She's practicing November. That's why I'm putting it. Uh-huh. <laughs> I'm going to push. I'm going to push. Come on. We want to know.
2: Uh, just kidding. You're good. I, I respect your decision, Holly, to say no in November.
0: <laughs> or anytime,
2: Ever. Yep. It's well, I have sentence. been
1: doing a little actually lucid dreaming is a real thing so the key is to keep a notebook or pencil by your bed so if you wake up in the middle of the night or as soon as you wake up jot down anything that you remember and then um before it's key before you go to sleep to tell yourself i'm going to lucid dream tonight or i'm going to you know control like some simple message uh, so that when you're sleeping i've only been able to do it once but I was able to say, I'm dreaming right now. I'm dreaming right now. Okay, that's not real. And uh, of course, I got excited and popped out, whatever in my dream, lucid dreaming. But the key to start doing that too, even is you got to remember your dreams. So keeping that journal. And I found that once I started that journal, my couple of scribble scratches, census have now grown into paragraphs. And I'm remembering more. And I'm more pulling from my brain is now starting to want to remember my dreams slash nightmares. Wow! Oh, there's YouTube videos on how to do it too. Actually,
4: I don't think I listen to myself well enough to to accomplish that. I'm gonna tell myself you're gonna lose a dream tonight, and I'll tell myself, "F you, no, you're not."
2: <laughs> yeah, probably what I would do. Well, there's too.
1: hypnotizing um, <laughs> things you can listen to. I'll send you one.
4: Okay,
1: like the I can try music, and it it's supposed to be like fall to that guided I meditation with, with those. It's like up.
4: Oh, this guy's voice is annoying. Up. Oh, I wonder where he's from with that right? accent. Oh, yeah. I wonder what what she is talking about. She's gone and then like, and then I'll stop paying attention and think about twenty million other things. And then up, oh, up. Oh, what are they wanting me to do now? Like. <laughs> like, oh, I've just wasted 20 minutes trying to breathe when I can breathe without thinking about, like, it, like, my brain will not, I've tried so many different ones, and everyone's like, oh, just try this one, and I'm like, like, I've gone to,
1: to guided meditation, like, I have ADHD, and so meditating has never been my jam, but I'm not gonna lie, it really just takes practice, so I always just started with two minutes, Okay. And DBT taught me to have focused meditation. So that's where I really was able to just, you pick one thing in the room, whatever, it could be a candle, your pencil, and you ha- keep your eyes open. So mindful meditation, that helped me open the door to actual meditation. So when I went to a Recovery Dharma meeting, and they said, you're going to do 20 minutes, we start the meeting with 20 minutes of meditation. I'm like, oh, my God, I'm not going to be able to do that. But I was able to freaking do that. This was like two months ago. So 20 minutes was I was able to actually meditate in a room full of strangers. It was great. (laughs) You know what I would do is the next meeting, I would show up 20 minutes
4: late because I would know (laughs) that I have a buffer. And then I could just come in 20
1: minutes late to the meeting. That is me. Oh, yeah. 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 You're allowed to leave, too. And you're allowed to like you don't have to like do it but they encourage you just to be quiet you know keep to yourself if you're gonna you can't do it which a lot of people do struggle with i was i wasn't really into it and my spiritual connection right now is i don't know if anybody's heard of grounding at all mm-hmm. but to start to start meditation with grounding yourself is huge mm-hmm. it's really just visualizing white light coming in i visualize it being showered into me this Okay, I'm going into Ruru stuff, but if you're ever open to like third eye um, spiritual stuff and if you're into like, well, there's 3D living and then there's 5D living. So I don't know if anybody's, I'm trying to hear if anybody has any idea what I'm talking about, but I do believe there's other life forms and universes and 3D living is taking this world as it is. Um, I do believe that there's so many things outside of us that if you can tap into that just a little bit, it'll make you a believer. So yeah, just grounding. And literally if you can, like it's Minnesota, so I'm not gonna do it now, but if you could go outside, take off your socks, take off your shoes and plant your feet into the, you know, onto the ground, that's just like a physical great way to ground. But right now in Minnesota, like I literally close my eyes and I visualize my spirit guide sending in light into my third eye but whatever into my body and filling my body with this white light it's like I had this intense lucid dream where it was like kind of like an anime but like I was able to harness this energy in like a ball in front of me but I woke up because I, I couldn't read it sucks because once I'm like I have all this energy what should I do with it then I woke up but just again it's really that mind over matter your mind is such a powerful thing and if you could just start practicing a little bit every day, like anything, like an instrument, like a language, you practice a little bit every day, it gets easier and easier and easier, just like recovery.
3: Yeah, absolutely. We do a lot of uh, breath work classes here. I mean, the, the best one I found is the uh, holotropic breath work. I mean, that's like uh, it's like heavy breathing. You know, we usually do like a four second inhale, four second hold, four second exhale and repeat for I don't know, 20 30 breaths and the uh the holotropic one is like really hard breathing and and that one uh you kind of i don't know it's the only one i i felt where i felt like i was uh my body was starting to rise up off the ground and it's like it was like tingly all over and then i, I got all these lights in the head it could have been lack of oxygen i don't know but it's like uh, it was amazing so, if anyone ever has a chance to do holotropic breathwork, you have to sign up for that. That's that stuff is uh, that's the best one I found. And I'm currently reading uh, Wim Hof's uh, uh, book about uh, breathwork, and he set a bunch of world records with that stuff. That guy's swimming underneath, you know, glaciers. You know, he took a, a group of uh, people to climb uh, K two using his breath work technique. And, and they, they, uh, I think they set the record at the time. So breathwork is something, uh, something new out there. I highly recommend it.
1: Oh my gosh. Yes. It's huge. Talent, right? yeah. That's beautiful. And,
3: and you're right about the, uh, the mindfulness, the, the brain is the, one of the, the only organ that's actually shaped by experiences and, and, and you know, practice. So it's like mindfulness when someone tries to do mindfulness and they, and then they, they don't, you know, ground in or zero in and they, their mind starts to drift and, you know, they're like, Oh, this doesn't work. This doesn't work. You're not really practicing mindfulness. You're, you're practicing, you know, judgment and all this other stuff instead of getting your mind focused. Mm. Yeah. I, yes, do just mind, I do a, yep, a mind. Right. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yes. Or, you know, so, yes, yeah. my mind would always do that, wander, but just starting the, the awareness piece. So, oh, I'm doing that again. Bring it back. Oh, I'm doing it again. Bring it back. It's okay. Like, you know, not to yeah, give up try, is the key. I tried to
3: take them on a mindful walk, and I ended up uh, probably losing them, like, in the first 10 steps. So, now <laughs> now I just do just uh, just have them focusing on their, their feet and how it feels to hit the ground and the sound. And I, I got them for, like, almost around the whole block. Before I lost them.
1: (laughs) How do you tell if they're lost? Well, just mindful Mm -hmm. eating is great.
3: (laughs) Yeah, my, yeah. How
4: do you tell when you've lost? I do that whenever I go to restaurants. Oh, sorry.
3: Oh, you, they start uh, getting distracted.
4: Go ahead. I'm sorry. Bridge about mindful eating at restaurants i guess
1: sorry i think the biggest struggle i had getting recovery was being present in the moment i feel like now i've learned like the past just creates depression for me used to create depression for me and the future thinking about the future just created anxiety So, like, DBT taught me, like, key skills to keep me in the moment. You know, I've heard of the technique, you know, five things you can see, list four things that you can touch, list three things that, you know, you can hear, two things you can smell, whatever. Anything to just get my brain in the present moment. I feel like a lot of my substance use was self-medicating because it was my easy learned way to, like, hone in and just be on one thing you know like I've always been a go 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 or I always was but that those skills I've learned at dbt the mindfulness is huge and and breathing is huge like just being aware of your breath when you're having a rough day do try this the next time you're having a rough day and you're going to talk to somebody take a deep sigh just let a big sigh out Right away, it makes you feel better. And then you can start letting some stuff out. But just that breathing of, it's okay to validate that you're having a rough day. And right away, whenever my teenager, he sighs big, I'm like, "Uh uh-oh, honey, what's going on? (laughs) But also I do just hugging myself. It's like a big squeeze hug myself, especially if I'm just having a really rough day. It's like comforting. It's like comforting myself, loving myself.
2: It's definitely, like, even even stopping and taking a couple deep, slow breaths, uh, you literally can almost instantly feel your heart rate decrease a little bit, you know, and then you can feel like your muscles start to relax a little bit, even just after a couple. So it's
3: definitely Yes,
1: huge. and with ADHD, Tiff is saying... You know, females don't get diagnosed with ADHD a lot of times until later in life. They're way more on it now. But females, I was always called the overachiever. I was always called, you know, I mean, I did so many things. But as a girl, because I wasn't showing those, like, physical not being able to, like, stay in the moment. I was uh, severe depression and anxiety is a common misdiagnosis or becomes a diagnosis or misdiagnosis for untreated, undiagnosed ADHD. I didn't get tested by a therapist. I didn't get tested until two years ago. And I thought it was silly. I'm like, I don't have ADHD. And then I took the test and I'm like, that's not going to tell me nothing. That's silly. And then, and then they're like, yeah, so you have moderate ADHD. I'm like, would you say it's more mild? Like more mild. They're like, no, we're going to go with moderate at least. But it was like this huge... Relief of like oh, that explains a lot, but having that diagnosis allowed me to be like validated and justified, and now finding those um, solutions and you know I don't know now I'm more okay with myself like. That's why I've always like liked the recovery community because like I feel like I'm a weirdo. We're all a bunch of weirdos, but we like understand our weirdness. So but no, now I now I have this label or whatever diagnosis and I'm able to medicate healthy in a healthy manner. Yeah.
0: We got a call coming in. Oh, and we missed it. Calls right back. Caller. I was too. I was too uh, slow on hitting the button. Was that you, JR?
4: Well, I can tell you, Tiffany. I don't have any answers for you. During this podcast, we've been here for about two hours. I've checked my Amazon gift card balance. I've looked at up four books that I would like to purchase. I've answered <laughs> the comments. I've friend requested one person. I've Accepted two friend requests, and I've read two messages on LinkedIn. So I don't know what the answer is for you, Tiffany. But <laughs> if you find it, please let me know.
3: You know the uh, average person has seventy thousand thoughts in a day. Holy
2: crap, that's
3: yeah, That's a lot. You know we spend forty six percent of our life distracted by other thought right? In a thoughts, that's half our life.
2: Dude, don't give up everything that you're going to have when you have your TED Talk, all right? Don't tell us all of it. Hang on to some of those gems.
3: That's all <laughs> TED Talks, though. <so. laughs>
2: Just kidding, buddy. Man, I got to probably get going, you guys. So.
1: Yes, thank know. you. Thank you
2: Hey, Bridge, you're awesome.
3: You're awesome, Bridge. We love you. Love you, show. I don't know how to do that. I don't know how to do that. Okay.
4: I don't think there's been a person from heart that, that I haven't liked. I don't know. You guys must be very likable people.
2: Uh, we have also got a oh. insane, insanely like huge and thriving recovery community in this state. Like They jokingly say it's the land of 10,000 treatment centers, and then we got so many resources of different kinds. You know, Yes. Like, there's there's a ton of just amazing people out here, so
4: we have a lot of re- treatment centers too. They're just they don't have that kind of reputation and that's great resources sometimes. Right. I think Florida has the most treatment centers of any other state, actually. With the lowest funding for substance use disorder and mental health per, you know. Capita. Yeah, but and then but the most amount of treatment centers, how does that work out?
2: It's a start, you know. I have a feeling that's going to change with you at the helm, with NAMI. You're helping lead the way to getting more funding, advocate more for that, and getting people on board. I know you're going to make so many changes.
4: Well, we have a lot of great advocates here. I mean... We have some people with loud voices that aren't great representation of our state either, too. But right, there are some really great people in Florida. And I think that, that makes me like it makes me so mad when people are like, Florida is this, this and this. And they believe this, this and this. And I'm like, that's not true. Like, that's not what I advocate for. That's not what I fight for. That's not what anyone I know fights for. Yeah, there's some people with loud voices that do fight for that, but stop putting us all in a Florida people bubble, Florida man.
1: Well, right now I'm actually working with um, Sorella. I don't know if anyone's heard of Sorella. But uh, we're trying to put together – it's not going to be treatment. It's more like we'd rather call it a retreat, but it's for people that have maybe – already had years of recovery and they feel like they want to go back into some kind of programming like a retreat but there's nothing out there like it and so i feel like with the mental health piece it's so i would love to get some kind of funding or grant that says yes this person is on the verge you can't get any help unless you've already reused unless you've already like so there's so many people that especially this time of year Are feeling like on the edge and know like hey maybe i just need to go to a place but don't want to start at a typical regular treatment like we're building a a little program right now for people that already have time or already have been to 22 treatments um but can feel that and don't want to go back out you know so they can go and get you know i don't like the word treatment so we're calling it a retreat but along those lines, go in a facility and be there um, to get back into, you know, their balance, their inner balance.
4: Well, She Recovers does retreats, um, kind of similar to that. Um, and there's also like some states and some areas that have respite care. Um, and that's kind of like a little like vacation, like not necessarily treatment too. Um, and maybe that would be something to look at funding wise, um, what people use for funding for respite care in certain states. Um, there's wellness retreats, um, maybe look at the whole health, um, aspect of getting away, changing your environment. Um, you know, whether you, you utilize nature and as part of it, I, I think that there's a lot of possibilities for funding if you, you know, especially like trauma and stuff, you know, a lot of people can't address that until they have some, some time under their belt or, you know, whether that be utilizing mat and, you know, stabilization or whether that be utilizing some form of abstinence space to, like, you have to get to a place where you're able to address some of this stuff from the past and until you're stable and your recovery, you can't address it. So maybe that would be a way to do it too. And, um, trauma and you know there's a lot of stuff about uh what is it um illnesses of despair and how expensive they are to the economy so maybe that's something to look at all right we gotta go i'll stop talking yeah
1: let's go no that, i love your talking thanks again guys sunday no 8 p.m kiss recovery 101. check it out <laughs> It's been a pleasure.
2: I was literally
0: just going to like oh, wave like, oh and then God, jump on.
1: Thank <laughs> <Yeah>. you.
0: <laughs> and then I didn't get a chance to put this one up.
1: oh
4: Yeah,
0: there we are.
2: Oh That's my homegirl. That
1: was the mobilized. Mobilized. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That bus tour hours.
2: when it yeah. came to the Minneapolis. Or St. Paul. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah,
1: Hazelden. Oh, I love that.
0: Well, thank you to everybody that tuned in tonight. If you aren't already subscribed to the channel, be sure to do that so you know when we go live, which is typically every Thursday night. But this week. That's right. But this week we we pushed it because of Thanksgiving. So we're coming to you live on a Friday night, but typically it's on Thursday nights. Um, Hey, Jason, you have a podcast, don't you?
2: I do. It's called The Way Out Podcast. We share powerful recovery stories and we unpack uh, recovery power topics in some of the episodes as well. Uh, Try to welcome in as many voices as we can into the conversations to build awareness and educate each other. Also, we have a playlist on Spotify called the Way Out Playlist. It's a curated list of everybody's song picks for songs that represent recovery to them. And it's on Spotify only. So check it out if you got that. Yeah.
1: No, 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 no. There,
0: <laughs> you've
3: got a book.
0: There we oh. go. Your manifesto.
3: Oh, the addiction manifesto by jr Weaver. I just updated the copy. So it should be out there now. Nice.
0: And then I also do another podcast called recovery survey. I release an episode every Wednesday morning, a little bite-sized piece of recovery, usually about 30 to 45 minutes. So check that out wherever you find your favorite podcast. And we also release an audio version of the broadcast here tonight. And every week, So if you want to keep us in your ears, but maybe you can't stay focused with your eyes, you can listen to us in podcast form on your favorite podcast player as well. We thank everybody for tuning in tonight, and we will see you guys next Thursday. Remember, progress, not perfection.